I think that the oppressor in this case is to tell people who they need to be and who they are. And I think that the most anti-colonial act that you can do is unapologetically express yourself. Content warnings for this episode include racism, dysphoria, experiences with anti-gay and anti-trans bigotry, mental health, ableism, bullying, and disconnecting from toxic family. Jennifer would like to acknowledge the Indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today we honor the Coast Salish, Mohawk, Algonquin, and Anishinaabawaki, and the Wabanaki people. <laughs> we honor the elders, the human plant and animal ancestors of these lands, and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Hey folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse people about their special interests. Hi, I'm Gendermaster, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Miranda Katita, and my pronouns are she, her. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, two-spirit, and gender diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender diverse community. We want our audience to know that we hold multiple diverse identities and bring these lenses to the show with our passion for telling our stories. I identify as non-binary, transmasculine, polyamorous, ADHD, autistic, and disabled, chronic pain, and mobility issues. I also am white and reside in the United States. I identify as trans-feminine, neurodivergent, queer, and a person of color residing in Canada. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities. Your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're gender diverse, you are gender diverse. There's no social or medical prerequisite to be included in the community. Welcome to Genderful Podcast, a show interviewing gender diverse people about their special interests. This week, our guest, Buff Cat, she and he pronouns, is chatting with us about queer storytelling. Welcome to Genderful Buff Cat. Hello. Nice to see everybody. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. So we have a couple of questions that we'd like to ask all of our guests. Uh, the first one being, uh, what would be some of the things you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be gender diverse one day? Oh, um, there are definitely a lot of things. Um, I think it started for me when I was around three or four years old. Um, and I would go and visit my uncle who um, lived with like, his four boyfriends in Provincetown and he would take me to um like he worked at a, a drag bar uh and he'd kind of be like well I don't you know it's not like I have a babysitter so just sit on the bar and I'd see these people kind of expressing gender in a whole myriad of different ways and I was just like enamored and it really helped me self-reflect on myself and my body and um, I had a tendency to feel more like a boy some days and then more like a, a girl other days. Um, and I didn't really have the words to describe that experience. Um, and it was also like, I was a kid. So I think I just kind of was like, well, this is just everyone probably feels this way, you know? Yeah. Um, just like when I was a kid, I was like, 
well, surely everyone is just attracted to whoever they're attracted to, as long as they like each other. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, it was, it was the late nineties and early two thousands. And I quickly realized that was not, you know, the common mm-hmm. narrative. And so that was kind of where it started for me is where I started questioning, you know, the binary a bit. It didn't really make sense to me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and that's that's remarkably common amongst uh, amongst queer and trans folks. Is like, you you grow up thinking that like, oh, everyone's like this, right? And people are like, no. <laughs> so, so it's like that was like personally that was a huge realization to me. It's like, what do you mean? Like, not everyone likes to fantasize about being a different gender. It's like, it's like yeah. no, only trans people do that. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know if you ever read like Ranma one half. Did you ever like oh, read? Oh or boy! Watch it? Yes. So so that I actually be- have a whole video about that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it like changed my brain, and also not just that, it was Sailor Moon too. Like those were the two shows that I was like, oh my god, because the idea of being able to just pour water on myself and be a boy or a girl, I was like, that is so. That is oh my god i after this show i'm gonna send you my video and you're gonna Please love do. it i promise <laughs> i will absolutely eat it up yes now how would you say your relationship to gender has evolved over time um it has definitely been a very intense journey um obviously I feel like I mean I definitely went through a period of being kind of closeted um and it took me kind of throughout high school to start accepting that I wasn't really meeting the gender marks uh or sexuality marks like nothing Mm. was really adding up I was kind of not doing what my friends were doing um and then i met a friend of mine who had come to my mom's daycare and um you know i also met another friend of mine who was trans like i started meeting other trans people basically as i graduated high school and i was like that just seems real (laughs) and right to me and that feels more like an accurate representation of my own experience than what I had been told I was most of my life. Um, So recently, uh, I think when I turned like 25 or 26, um, I fully recognized and like started to process the words and I realized that I was by gender or two-spirit and those were the correct terms for me and my bodily experience, so. It only took till I was 25. <laughs> so I mean that's know. still that's still quick by my standards. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's never I also want to very be very clear, there's never like a right or a wrong time, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah. Just yeah, like, yeah. It just like, you know, there's a very common saying that like you don't you don't transition or you don't come out until you're ready. And for some people, that's when you're 12. And for some people, that's when you're 60. So like, um, there's no right or wrong answer. And, you know, speaking as like, you know, quote unquote, later in life trans person, like, I think all of us like mature trans people have some amount of regret, but that's just how it had to be. 
So like, there's no sense in there. There's there's no sense in in crying over you know lost days, even though sometimes you really want to. <laughs> yeah, lost gender. No sense in crying over spilled gender. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, perfect. Thank you for asking that. All right. So why don't we get into our special topic of the day, which is queer storytelling. How did you get started as a storyteller? Okay. Um, so I guess kind of going back to childhood, I was um, really desperate for stories about people who looked like me or were like me in any way, or even represented people in my life. And Growing up in Maine, there really was not anything like that, um, <clears throat> particularly like Black or Indigenous stories. I didn't have any books about people like me until I was probably, you know, I guess I was reading like James Baldwin when I was eight because I was so thirsty for, you know, and the fire next time or like Giovanni's Grum is, an in, is, is, is a wild thing <laughs> to read <laughs> when you're eight years old. Um, yeah. But I was reading that because I was so hungry for that representation um and I was kind of searching for it in any way that I could but um I started like writing and drawing my own comics and stories um that would reflect me and my friends or people around me probably at around the age of seven or eight um and I've been doing it ever since I've been really obsessed with you know capturing people like myself um people in my environment um for as long as I can remember um yeah yeah and then what you just said about like being thirsty for your own kind of representation I mean that's anyone anyone part of a you know marginalized group can can relate to that very very heavily so it's um because I know personally like growing up like there weren't a lot of stories about people who looked like me or had a culture like mine and especially like not having any stories about you know trans people growing up and you know, it's like I grew up in the 80s and uh there was we had some trans representation but it was real bad <laughs> it was horrible it, it was, was real bad it was so. terrible and also like you look for crumbs too when you're that age like I don't know mm -hmm. I was I was like if I even saw a crumb or a semblance of like is that me like I would just eat it up and then I look back at it like now that I'm older and I'm like damn <laughs> yeah like, yeah it was so. starving like it was starving so yeah so it really um, I mean after like not having that representation for so long and then suddenly getting it it's it's life-changing like yeah. it's it really is like it's like oh this is what I've been missing out on yeah and I find that like my obsession are usually stories that I'm like even just slightly capture you know the experience at least when I was younger yeah sir did you want to jump in <laughs> Yes, I I DM'd you to ask if I'm if I yes I was nodding my head. Correctly. Oh, I was looking at the wrong screen. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm if there's a pause transparent moment. Here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, would, would you like to? <laughs> okay, I'm getting so sweaty. <laughs> um. Well, before I ask the question, Buffcat, do you need a break to to do a costume change? Oh, oh, would that no. be helpful? <laughs> no, I think it's more just the like, ah, uh, you know, but I'll relax in a minute. Worry about it. You're doing uh, a wonderful job. 
I'm having a good time. I I realized that um, there was like a small detail that was wrong. And then I did a whole OCD over their ADHD thing where I was like, oh, let's go fix it in all the places. And yeah, <laughs> the neuro spicy did a spice. That's what happened. Yes. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, so Buffcat, how does your queerness impact your work? Um, I think it impacts like every aspect of what I do. Um, whether I'm making paintings or sculptures, um, like recently I've made a sculpture of a fully wall-mountable butthole. Um, okay. You know, it's very, I'm very proud of it. You <laughs> should be. <laughs> um, and like, I, it is so fun seeing people react to it because they squint and they're like, is that a butthole? And I'm like, yeah, you know? <laughs> Because everyone has a butthole and everyone <laughs> can appreciate butthole. So like, you know, I try to do, I try to depict queerness in my art in every facet that I can. So um, not that it's all about butthole, but you know, I try to depict <laughs> our bodies um, and things that matter to us. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, just, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you sculpt that sculpture that's behind you in the in the video version of this? I actually um, there's a place where I live um, <clears throat> at the Equality Community Center in Portland um, called Safe Combinations, which gives like um, like trans affirming clothing to oh, okay. people who transition, um, and I'm very good friends with them, and they they gave me this mannequin, um, and I like painted it, so it's just Incredible. a plant stand um but she's beautiful she's grace she's you know she's everything <laughs> um but yeah if you're ever in portland they they do um either give it for free or it's you know you can pay what you can there so um mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite places yeah um, i you were gonna get along when you started talking about buttholes so <laughs> God, because if this wasn't a podcast that I couldn't talk about whole, like, please, please. Yeah, I mean, hey, we all, we all got holes, okay? Yeah, we, all <laughs> we all have various holes, and, you know, I love that for us. Yes. <laughs> great. Um, I make, like, nipple paintings, and I make, like, like uh, chest paintings, and, you know, because you don't know what gender a person's nipples are, like, it's, you know, so I have a lot of different pieces, and I've been doing shows like that, um, that kind of depict an overall queer experience <laughs> and a gender inclusive mm -hmm. experience. Um, and I find the reactions tend to be kind of telling. Um, the audience currently who's viewing that work is um, at, a, at one of my favorite gay bars. And I think there's only like three in Portland now, um, but it's called Cocktail Mary. I'm just like plugging them all today but um <laughs> I did it there that is what you do with holes sometimes yeah you <laughs> um, the spiciest joke I've made in a while on stream that's You're welcome good but yeah so oh wow the owner of that bar would have loved that joke I wonder if he'll listen so um <laughs> Shout out to Isaac. Um, but, you know, I'm doing more uh, work pertaining to that, like for my 
paintings and sculptures. Um, but particularly when it comes to like my illustrations and stories I work on. Um, right now I'm working on something about my like childhood and my life and my experience of being a queer and you know gender uh, non-conforming person and like figuring myself out. It's called Letters from Little Brook. Um, so I like to tell stories in that way. And I also love to talk about and paint and draw buttholes. So <laughs> follow me for a wide variety of content. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Gay sex. I draw that. It's fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm just casually sliding the butthole sculpture um, from your Instagram <laughs> onto, oh, into the I'm, chat. I'm looking at this right enjoy. now. I'm gonna. I have to see so this right pink. now. It's so. Pink. Can't wait. Let's can't wait for the break. It's I have tiny. to look at it right now. I actually. Where's this break? It's very shiny. Oh my god! It is. That is. That is the shy halut of buttholes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and for the girls who don't know. Uh, it's the super gloss finish. That's what I used on the. Oh wow! It's ceramic. It's oh. a ceramic, fully wall mountable butthole, uh, and I'm working on making silicone molds so I can make a bunch of them. So a hole could be yours, if, <laughs> if yeah. you want. For um, for for three easy payments of forty nine ninety nine, you two can own this butthole. <laughs> you two can own this big giant butthole. <laughs> put it on your wall and honestly like if you're afraid like first of all what are you afraid of like what are you afraid of honestly but mm -hmm. if you are afraid just like gaslight your guests and be like it's the bottom of a mushroom yeah, yeah. like or say it's, it's like, like don't be gross it's not a butthole <laughs> yeah like you're just like gaslight 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 That's my <laughs> uh we here on the jennifer podcast do not encourage gaslighting <laughs> We, we don't encourage guests. Like um, so, it's funny. Anyway. It's funny in this context as a joke. It is not funny <laughs> in reality. <laughs> We're not for real, but you know. We, we are autistic, though, so we have to be clear when we're joking. Yes. yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Because um, people will just like keep pulling my leg for a very long time. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to pivot back to the storytelling aspect of your art. So what does queer queerness and storytelling specifically mean to you? Um, <clears throat> I think it is, I love that question. Um, <laughs> I think that queerness and storytelling is having queer people in stories and not having it be, I feel like, I'm kind of tired of like the coming out storyline for queerness. Mm. Um, I think that as a place and it's important, but I really like seeing just stories about queer people. And it's like a facet of their life. You get to see them be queer, um, but it isn't like the whole point of the story. Like they get to have a story that isn't about that. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of, usually my approach um <clears throat> when I'm writing uh stories um and currently I don't have anything published I'm almost embarrassed or nervous to like put it out <laughs> put out the projects I'm working on but um you know I I do have a webcomic that I've been working on for a very long time 
for an amount of time I'm almost embarrassed to admit that I've been working on it for. Um, but it's basically about um, that the main character is a trans man. It's called Dimensions Mixtape. And it's about mm. um, basically this guy who is living in our dimension and he is trying to survive. It's like 2042. Um, he lives with his sister and uh, you know the people who own the land they live on, like he has to work by playing in a band to pay their water tax, like to get water, because it's, you oh. know, really it's depressing here. Yeah, mm. a little. Um, mm. we're on our way, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but basically, he meets this character, uh, Carla, who like shows up, and she's like, "If you hate your life, like leave it. Let's go. Come with me." And she's basically going, like hopping from each dimension to find music to add to her mixtape to keep going to different dimensions. Mm. And so he goes with her to like go on these adventures. Um, so, you know, and she's also like gender non-conforming and there's a lot of different queer characters. Mm. Um, but again, like that's just who they are and they're just experiencing this little wacky, silly, adventure in space and time um so that is the concept of like that story so i hope that answered your question and i didn't go on for too long but. no no that was <laughs> great, great that sounds that sounds dope that sounds like a a queer version of the the 1990s tv show sliders <laughs> oh my god i yeah. that. <laughs> 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 um wow okay Wait, here I was thinking I was so original, but now I'm thinking about that. Well, it was like the, the premise of the show Sliders is like, you know, they, they go to like different timelines and different dimensions in every episode. Um, yes. So like, it's just like that, but like queer. <laughs> I was honestly, I so the, that's the thing is that, so what really inspired me to create that concept and, um, and start pursuing this uh, story was basically, um, because I was a really big fan of like Doctor Who growing up mm. and um you know and Star Trek um and <laughs> different like sci-fi features and none of them really 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 featured black and brown people or indigenous mm -hmm. people in a big mm -hmm. way and they also didn't <laughs> include a ton of queerness like I think more so than other sci-fi series you know Star Trek and Doctor Who kind of do but I just I wanted to see something that was like just fully the main characters are these people and it's about them and it's for them and it's by them you know so yeah. that was the goal <clears throat> i love that yeah because represent representation matters and like it intersectional does. representation matters 100%. so having having trans rep representation having BIPOC representation ability immigration status all of those different things like different levels of um or different ways of mental neurotypes right not not to say that one neurotype is better than another but instead being like wow look at how all these different neurotypes they solve things in different ways actually come together and like yeah. that's how the solution is found is through diversity not through conformity or sameness hundred percent. Um, I definitely, I think a lot of the characters that I gravitate towards tend to be a little more neurodivergent, but that's because I am. <laughs> so yeah. 
I think when I'm writing my stories or I'm <clears throat> coming up with concepts, that tends to be where I go. And maybe it's because I'm a hack, but maybe it's because I'm really just like deeply desperate for that kind of representation. I want to mm -hmm. see lots of characters with ADHD, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's like not complete a task. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this is very much a cliche, but it's true. Like you write what you know, right? So you want to write your own experiences into your, into your art, right? And you're not the only one that has ADHD and you're not the only one who is neurospicy. So like, you're going to, you're going to, you know, write those elements of your life into your story and it's going to resonate with people who are like you. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I feel like it's not even something that feels super, it's not that I'm not intentional about it, but it's not really like I'm going to write this kind of character. Like it's just, I'm writing what feels familiar to my life and my body and people I know, mm -hmm. like I'm not really, um, I don't have like a checklist <laughs> really. Yeah. It's whoever comes to mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that kind of like reminds me of something else we were talking about earlier of, you know, kind of like, you know, trans and queer people existing in stories, but like we only get like the coming out story or even worse is we get the, yeah. the, the barrier gaze trope. And I, I, I think this is because these are characters written by, you know, cisgender, cishet people for cishet people. Um, and when we get, we start getting stories written <clears throat> by queer people for queer people, that's where you start to see like a lot more authentic portrayals and more like, you know, just queer people existing and, and living their lives and not, you know, serving to advance the plot. They're not like, you know, yeah. there to further the plot of a cisgender person. So um, I've had the or privilege of watching a bunch of queer art made by queer people and it's so much better. Oh my God. It's so much better. Isn't it nice? Isn't it nice when we don't have to have crumbs? Like, I just, yes. I feel like, and, and thank God for the internet because like I've had access to things where I'm like, mm, delicious. Like we love that. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, I think, um, uh, the barrier gaze trope, I feel like that literally just like brought things up for me. I, I hate it so much. And yeah. I, I also don't like the like tragic gaze or the like, you know, I don't, is it so much to ask that I just want like a nice wholesome, like I want them to have a good time. You yeah. Know? Not all of the time. Cause that's not real. But I'd like them to have like a slightly nice time sometimes. I think that's mm -hmm. also a goal of mine is to avoid the leaning and I don't know, just let them be gay, let them be together, let them be trans. Mm -hmm. It bothers me. Yeah, it's like we can, we're allowed to have happily ever after stories too. It's, you know, it's not just the normies. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, it's really powerful when like people, non cishet people, <laughs> are written by non cishet people. <laughs> Like, yeah, because I, I can tell when I'm watching a piece of media that the writer or creator is queer, neurospicy, trans something, right? Like one of those, not, not all of the powerful identities person, like powerful mm. in the eyes of the patriarchy and, you know, in the eyes of colonialism and all of that, um, because there are little details that as especially like a neurospicy person that I pick up on 
that I don't even mm. think neurotypicals would notice or recognize as like, oh, that's that character is being autistic right now or whatever. Um, yeah. But there's just little things that I'm like, oh, that character is stimming to self-soothe. And it's so powerful to, instead of see like a traumatized autistic person, see an autistic person self-soothing and like taking care of themselves in the context of whatever the adventure is that everyone is having, you know, in the story. And so like seeing, because, you know, in, in stories about autistics, it's often, you know, oh, it's a, it's a high support needs person and there are all these mm. specific ways. And it's like, no, like there's a lot of ways that like the way that things are framed or edited or like presented can like upplay or downplay um, the, like the neurotypical discomfort and the awkwardness yeah. that neurotypicals perceive in neurodivergent folks. Cause it's like, I'm not awkward to other neurodivergent people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, don't, I mean, I all just, my friends are <laughs> neurospicy and I'm like, oh, thank God. Like I can unmask mm -hmm. around somebody or like, isn't it nice that I can just stim here? You know, um, I, I think I really am fast. Sorry, did I interrupt you or anything? Or is that? No, you're good. Okay. We're just talking. Okay, you're fine. This is if you did interrupt um, me, then I already forgot because ADHD and I have no <laughs> lingering negative feelings about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't it? It's a superpower. <laughs> um, it really is. <laughs> but is. they, um, you know, I love watching a story and thinking like that person is like, I feel seen by them, you know, and like that mm -hmm. person seems uh, neurodivergent. Like I have ADHD and um, I always felt I mean, it's taken me like lots of therapy to kind of process through that kind of like um, suppression. Because, I mean, I don't know if you've had this experience, but it's very much like stimming. I've been allowing myself to unmask and stim like within the last year because I wasn't really mm -hmm. allowed to do that. Um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, I think that there are probably lots of reasons for that, like racism and sexism like there's tons of reasons that also compounded that um like ableism in and in, internalized ableism in me but I I love watching a story or reading a story and being like wow he has ADHD like I really feel that coming through here it's really shining through um yeah and I think before the stream started we were talking about um Neil Gaiman I think or we, like, we mm -hmm. mentioned him yeah and I'm curious yeah. to I'm curious about your thoughts because I think it's not for me to determine Neil Gaiman's sexuality in any way. Um, but when I was watching the show and when I read the book when I was like in third grade, I was like, me? Like, <laughs> hi girl. <laughs> like, it was very like, and so I, I'm curious to hear your opinion because I'm just like, if straight people don't do these roles like David Tennant will never get a job again you know what I mean so I'm curious about <laughs> like are there straights who do it well like I just I, I'd love to talk about that that's really cool to me I mean yeah so I'm I'm personally I'm like not familiar enough with Neil Gaiman's work to really have a you know an informed opinion like Probably the extent that I, of uh, exposure that I've had is I, I think I watched the first season of um, American Gods, um, and 
I, I, I didn't want to watch any more of it because I was like, I was confused about what was going on and <laughs> I never read the book. And I was like, what is happening? This show is so well made and so well acted, but I have no idea what's going on. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel yeah. like his work is so fruity. Like he, um, what was it? The Sandman series. I just watched it and I was just like, Satan is this like non-binary, like hottie, like, who plays Brienne from Game of Thrones? I feel like such a oh, bad game. um, Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, so Satan <clears> is played by Gwendolyn Christie, and I think Satan uses like I can't tell if it was they them or he. I can't remember. I watched it like in December in like fever dream, but it was it was interesting. It was good, but I'm just saying I'm like he he puts these characters into his stories where I'm like, hello, like, and you know, and maybe this is just like a part of his life, mm-hmm. and he's just writing knows and he knows a lot of queer people so i'm just maybe we don't have to talk about (laughs) my hyperfixation right now but i just you know i'm curious to hear your thoughts yeah so i mean there is so there is something that like so i have again like this is like secondhand knowledge that i have i have not read the book so in the book of sandman there is a trans woman character in it and the book was written, I think it's something like in the 80s or something, or, or it, was, it was written a long time ago. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and, you know, it was progressive for its time for having that kind of character in it. But, you know, sensitivities have shifted since then. And like something like that today is, is kind of like not great. But yeah. Neil Gaiman has come out and said it's like oh if I was writing this now I would write it completely differently so like mm-hmm. he himself has kind of evolved with the times so um I, again I haven't seen the show but I would expect the show to address that character very differently than it was addressed in the book uh but take everything I say with a grain of salt because this is all stuff that I've heard from other people and I have no I haven't read it I haven't watched the show so <laughs> <laughs> the, the show feels definitely from yeah. I mean I haven't read I haven't read it since I was very young so and you know how things like I mean it was like what like 2007 I think and mm-hmm. I, the things that passed over my head at that time were vast um like I re- started rewatching um America's Next Top Model and I was in hell it was unbelievable I can't believe that mm-hmm. show existed <laughs> and I watched it I just consumed it you know that was bizarre um but i i yeah so i just wanted to talk a little bit about that you mentioned um uh star trek or like you made a reference earlier oh yeah um, and i loved it yes <laughs> so i'm just like you know and that and, and i feel like they represent um there's representation in that show and i'm just i think i think that things can exist that I may have clung to like as my my breadcrumbs mm. that mm-hmm. maybe are not as slay as I remember and I'm just I guess yeah. I wanted to talk about that. <clears throat> well, I think something to keep in mind is the cultural context when those pieces of media were created, which is also important when reading the Bible as a side note. You need to keep the <laughs> cultural context in mind. <laughs> Yeah. As a as a person with two degrees in religion who is now a pagan, I have extreme opinions about the importance <laughs> of cultural context and how it's taken out of context so much. Okay, that's not this podcast though. Um anyways, <laughs> I I think that um yeah, I think I have random things to pepper in. So one, uh my wife, who is a trans woman, 
um, actually got to see Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer many years ago. Um, do, I think Neil was one of the like, whatever the name is for when you're like the the winner of the parade or the 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 grand ring grand marshal or something. Yeah, the grand marshal. Uh, Neil Gaiman was like the grand marshal of the mermaid parade with Amanda Palmer, um, and that was. <laughs> around the time when they were either dating or married i think they are now not married um but they they were together for a, a chunk of time and um you know i have listened to the audiobook of amanda's um the art of asking and amanda's life is queer af like oh my god so yeah. queer and so like you know whether or not neil himself is queer who knows but like he has lived a life where he has been surrounded by and just drenched in like queer art and queer music and like you know he's not oblivious to that realm of being um i think his favorite drag queen is katya i found out like he's ally like i'm guessing so. <laughs> yeah. i don't know him it's very parasocial but i'm just like you know i love to see when people depict real life because we're everywhere you know so yeah i feel like to have yeah. only straight like heteronormative media is like not you're telling a story that isn't based in reality like mm -hmm. in any way and i think that's what gets me so <clears throat> yeah i will i will add that good omens which is another show based on neil's writing um especially season two has some very strong like gay man romance vibes um it's great i won't they say any more than that because i don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it yet they but are like, like non-binary good they're yes. non-binary characters too they they don't queer they, they switch gender vibes they do because they're angels, angels. And, and so there's this whole thing going on with like gender is just not even a thing when the characters are angels because angels don't have gender yeah who knows <laughs> It's it's generally it's a queer relationship. Okay. Very um, queer, yeah. very queer. Love that. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Um, I feel like there's another third thing I wanted to say, but I've forgotten it now. It's okay. The secret third um, thing. Okay. Yes, the secret <laughs> third thing. <laughs> um, I love Star Trek. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. we, can, in the we can turn in this the into chat. a Star Trek podcast. Discovery oh, has yeah. a lot more representation in it as a Star Trek show, which is true. I yes. agree with you. Yes. That's also, they use mycelium true. to travel the stars, which I think is cool as heck. Okay. I've been like definitely. You haven't seen Discovery. Put it on your watch list. It's very good. <laughs> I definitely will. I used to watch it with my grandpa. And, um, you know, if anyone ever wanted to blackmail me and like go on the Wayback Machine, they could probably find my like and Spock fan fiction that I'd write so Aww. you know go, go for it go have fun I mean there's a very long history of Kirk and Spock fan fiction <laughs> I'm not new I'm not original it's fine <laughs> it's fine you know, that I is says we stand of... fanfic authors <laughs> <laughs> that okay, is absolutely fine <laughs> I'm still I'm still like I'm now being like I love that for you for my younger self like you really were writing about gay sex at like 17. I love that for you. Work. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Great well, note, like, 
<laughs> well, and I, for me at least, I feel like part of part of why fan fiction can be so powerful is we are writing the queerness into the stories. Like we're taking those breadcrumbs and we're expanding on it and making an entire casserole out of it, right? Like it's like, oh yes, yeah. you gave me one scene over here, a little tiny bit. <laughs> now I've got to run with it. Um, the thing I was going to say, um, I, I have more than once, I have seen a queer storyteller um create their characters and they get like hamstrung by the bigger hollywood decision making people in the networks and the network execs and so like you know you have um i feel like owl house got canceled sooner than planned i feel like um there's another show um but a couple of those shows with with really strong queer representation mm -hmm. I feel like they almost always end up putting like the gay kiss quote unquote as like the last episode of the last thing at the very end. And so then you don't get to see the queer relationship develop. It's like, if we put it on the very final thing, then the author gets to proclaim what their intention was all along. But then like, you know, if it totally tanks in network ratings or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's the finale of the whole thing anyways. Yeah. It's over now. And it makes it ma so. way easier to cut for international markets. It does. And it's been happening since at least the nineties, if not the whole time, like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, Zena and Gabrielle, I don't that. know. I don't oh, know who my... saw that back in the day. There is a, lesbian show. a very last episode. <laughs> I did. And I, it changed my brain chemistry forever for the rest of my life. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just, yeah. I was so mad when they were like, let's let's put a whole Aries romance story arc in here. I'm like, no, fuck that. They raised a baby together and they combined like, their names. Weirdness. So weird. These these sapphic, sapphic women <laughs> raised a child together. Yes. And I literally like I, I felt like I could pull out my hair. I mean, it's like people saying Bert and Ernie like aren't married men. Like I you know, I know it's Sesame Street, big difference between Zeta Warrior Princess oh. and Sesame yeah. Street, but but I'm saying, like, these these are the characters, like, honestly, these are the stories growing up that I was just like, are you serious? Are they really saying this isn't what it is? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I don't even need it to necessarily be said out loud, I don't think. But it would be nice. It would be nice. Just say it. I get very passionate. Zena used to, I, again, Zena changed my brain chemistry, I think. <laughs> and she was hot. That's a, that's a one of the first, not first oh, girl yeah. either. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lucy Lawless is uh, she's 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 gorgeous. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, like I never really watched Zena, but like, yeah, yeah, Lucy Lawless, me, mm, she fine. More like Super, Lucy Flawless. So hot, so, <laughs> so hot. Um, <laughs> I tried rewatching that a few years ago with a friend, and like we were halfway through it, and then they like took it off of every streaming platform. I tried finding the box set. I'm committed. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants to tell me how to find this, please. Well, I, I may have some less than legal means. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. You're in Canada. It's legal there. Yeah. You know, it's Canada. We don't have laws here. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> I don't live my life to be a cop. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway. <laughs> um okay i'm going to wrap up this segment with a meme that i read today or this week um so there's a little bit of news in the gaming world where 
was it Ubisoft or one of the big gaming companies is saying like, uh, folks, folks, gamers need to get comfortable with not owning their games and which is just the shittiest hot take ever. Um, and so the, the response, uh, that someone did at a meme is if, if you, if, if you don't own games then stealing them, isn't theft. (laughs) If you can't own games, stealing them isn't theft. Like this works both ways. I'm not sure that's logically sound, but I don't disagree. (laughs) You know. Yeah. yeah. So too long didn't read. Um, Buy hard copies of your media. Yes. If purchase isn't ownership, then piracy isn't theft. Thank you, Juice. That is what it said on the meme. All right, welcome back, everyone. If you're just tuning in, we are here with Buffcat, she pronouns, and we're talking about queer storytelling. Uh, so this is kind of a segue from our pre-break conversation, but uh, what kind of queer stories do you think are underrepresented in today's media? Thank you. That's like, that's a great question. Um, I think that like non- strictly binary trans experiences are needed. Um, I think it would be very nice to see more people who aren't just like, you know, um, maybe they're not, maybe they use he pronouns and they're not uh, medically transitioned or maybe they're doing things, like it would just be nice to see a more diverse uh, <clears throat> amount of transness. I feel like, um, you know, recently, uh, I don't know if anyone here watches Doctor Who, but I watched the special and Donna's daughter is a trans woman and we love to see it. Um, mm. But I, you know, again, she's like super binary and I, I would love to see less binary representation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's something that's... Um, we're doing better with representation, but we're still kind of stuck in our binary modes of thinking. Um, yeah. and, and like, and I'm saying this like as a binary trans woman, and you know, um, I know that my experience is not the only one. Like, some of my best friends are are non-binary. Like, some of the people in this call are non-binary. Like, it's, so it's, um, you know, I I wish there was there was kind of more representation of the diversity of human experiences out there because right now we're only getting a small sliver of it yeah yeah i'd love to see like more two-spirit representation or like yeah, more absolutely um, like what is that like third gender concepts um yeah. culturally like cultural based gender representation um, would be yeah. really cool um but yeah yeah sir did you have a thought <laughs> i yes um so on the specific thing that you mentioned about the the Doctor Who special that came out around winter 2023, um, for those listening in the future and don't, don't know the the date context of when we're speaking. There are a um, lot of those specials. <laughs> yeah, there are many of them. Um, the There were a lot of TERFs in the UK that wrote to um, the network and said like, oh, we didn't like that there was a trans person. And so then there was a trans person on Twitter or some social media. It's called X now, but Twitter is the only thing I will do. We, we all call it Twitter. Um, 
We don't acknowledge <laughs> that foolishness. We don't. <laughs> we don't I refuse to. to call it X. It will always be it's Twitter. So- yeah. Elon mm-hmm. Elon is uh not a great person. That's putting it very lately. Um, not the topic. I so so there was a trans person on socials who said, um, hey, I like people are complaining about this. I want to complain about how there's not enough trans representation. Here's here's my letter. Here's where to send it in. Here's how to do it. So I actually did. I've, I I wrote I wrote to BBC and said, hey, nice. you need more trans people. How about non-binary? How about these other things? Um, and I think I got a letter back. Oh. They have to respond. They do, which is yeah. very funny. Yeah. And so it's like, <laughs> I just love it. Um, what I, what I don't remember is if anyone did like a, after the fact, like, okay, they got, you know, a hundred people that said boo trans and then 10,000 people that said more trans. Like, I don't know if there's any sort of data on that. I would love to know. Um, yes. Juice, juice out here with the, the banger ad quotes. (laughs) Um, Um, anyway, but yeah, it's, how do you, what do you think about, um, Shudi uh, Gatwa being the new doctor, um, the black queer man really being the doctor. Yeah, I was pumped, um, and you know, I think, I think the show kind of, I kind of fell off interest with it, um, and so when I saw that he was gonna be the doctor, I was like, oh my god, like this would have been such a deep thing for my childhood um especially because like I felt so I was watching it just for context uh back in like 2005 six seven um Mm. and so like Martha was a character um Mm -hmm. and like I was starved for all kinds of representation um but I do think I think Tennant's era was super queer in an understated way as much as you could be and like um 2007 (laughs) yeah um and i i loved that but i do think that the way doctor who has handled their black characters has not been my favorite um Mm. and i think that like they did martha so dirty they did her so dirty i could rant about that forever to be completely honest we don't have time (laughs) for how much i want to say about it but Mm -hmm. i think um he's like oh just seeing him act is like He's phenomenal like he's so good at mm. his job <laughs> so i'm i'm pumped i'm glad that they're trying it i definitely while i was watching the special there were some things that made me cringe like a little bit i think donna said something that made did you feel this too i like it made me want to crawl inside my skin and just burn up you know <laughs> did you feel that or i don't remember the thing that? that donna said i did have feelings about a narrative choice that they made that they've never made before with regards oh, to regeneration are we allowed to talk about that or is it i don't know it's kind of spoilery oh. but i'm like girl feelings. i thought it was like it all just... over the internet <laughs> yeah i also but feel that like, way so i don't know i kind of i have very mixed feelings about it because i Same. i think i was like i think it was a playing was safe measure it, oh, hugely, hugely, yeah. like not letting this character go the way that, it, you know, it normally goes was definitely challenging. But I think when I was watching it, I was just like having fun. They played the Spice Girls. Like 
I was just like enjoying it. So I was like, you know, David Tennant being kooky and like, there's like the Spice Girls playing. I'm having a time of my life. Um, and the doctor is black now, like I was living. So um, I just took it for what it was, is my point. <clears throat> but um, I'm hoping that like going forward though, it's, it's, I hope they handle the racial aspect well i think um a lot of a lot of what i really struggled with with like martha's character for example was that they would be in situations like going back in time and martha would be very clearly experiencing racism and the doctor like yeah. didn't really go like you're experiencing racism that's bad <laughs> like it wasn't really super <laughs> acknowledged and i remember watching it when i was young and i'm like like there, I can't remember which episode it was, but Martha was a maid, I think, or made yeah. to just be a maid. Like they just assumed yeah. she was a servant. And so she just had to be a servant. And I was like, yeah, that's crusty. So, so I'm hoping going forward, like, how are they going to deal with that with his character if they go back in time? Because the doctor yeah. isn't usually in that position. Um, right. So I want to know if they're just going to gloss over it. <laughs> and pretend it's not a factor for him or like um, only go to like other planets instead of like earth history oh, avoid, or something oh my god when that they just avoided it for a whole season i feel like they tend to do every other like one one like world history one travel off go do a thing sometimes it'll be two and then two or something but yeah typically it's kind of a mix of both i mean with um wow i'm sorry it's like late and my brain is just fully rotted at this point and i'm like it's okay <laughs> the writer of help me please <laughs> i can't believe this this is like one of my favorite shows and i my brain is there's rotted. been a lot of writers on doctor who um tenants, there's moffat um, before moffat before moffat was there all i got oh, is God. steve i don't know if steve or stevenson or Susan. i'm I am not the name person. I can't remember the um, names of actors either. I'm not. It's not my strength. I, 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 have any other I haven't watched Doctor Who, so I don't know anything about it. And so, because normally I'm like, boom, boom, boom with like actors and directors. But like Russell with this, I'm just like, mm. Russell T. Davies. I'm waiting. It was I'm waiting. Davies. There you go. I'm sure the I was waiting for the mods to save us with some quick Googling. No, it, was, I, I, it would come out, you know, but I just had to be weird about it. Um. Yeah, so I think I think he I'm I'm I trust him. I think he's got it. He writes really awesome queer stories and like um non-queer stories and I'm just a little I am nervous about the racial aspect a little bit, but that's only yeah. because of Martha. So Did you see any of the woman doctor episodes? She she starts her <laughs> she starts her answer with a sigh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, I did, I did, I think, uh, to be clear, like, she was great. I thought she was phenomenal. Like, she was, as an actress, great. I, I hated the writing. It was so, mm. there was no, like, there were, it just felt like there were no stakes a lot of the time, no real stakes. There was no, it just, I don't, and I'm sure, maybe, I, I hope I'm not, like, starting a war or people hate this, but I, like, I don't. I don't like how safe they played it. Like it was the first 
female doctor and they could have really you know played into that and yeah and in, inherently i find that to be like very trans like the doctor transitioned and is now a woman yeah. and how cool is that how because the doctor yeah. doesn't really have a gender or right. a set race and that's interesting like they could have really played into that and i don't feel like i feel like they did but it felt surface level yeah. <sighs> anyway how did you feel about that did you <laughs> were you so like... so i also miranda i'm sorry i think you feel like left out oh that's fine you, you two go on ahead. <laughs> and it's like, like I'll, I'll just catch my breath shit. back here in Star Trek land. Yeah. <laughs> you go ahead with the doctor. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. <laughs> um, I felt I felt like um, with the with the writing that they did, and honestly, I can't even remember the lady doctor's name because I'm bad at names. Um, oh, Jody, something. Jody. Not Foster, doesn't it? Jodie Whittaker. 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 Oh, yes. See, Miranda knew. Good job. See, I know actors. I just, I just don't know anything about the show. <laughs> so, so I, I felt like it is Jodie Whittaker. <laughs> I felt, I felt like Jodie Whittaker, um, like she was in a really hard place because um, the Doctor Who team was trying something new for them. And it was, it was lockdowns. We're still in a pandemic, but it was during lockdowns. And so like that made everything more complicated and perhaps less episodes or overall seasons happened because of that. Um, I, I loved that there were three companions and they really explored like some of those pieces and what it, what does it mean to not just have one person and one extra bonus person? Like, what does it mean to have a more, you know, like, I mean, the doctor is pretty ace spectrum. So any partnerships that the doctor has tends to be um, ace. Um, but I I liked that there were um, a number of generations and races like within the 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 team of of companions that was around. Mm. Um, I thought it was powerful and interesting to have like very slight lesbian subtext i'm angry they didn't explore it more a lot that's how i felt thank you yes um <laughs> I so i feel like i feel like in the i feel like in a lot of ways they they started to touch directly on topics that i haven't seen doctor who directly call out and i mm. think um like the the writers i think were different than usual and they had like yeah maybe writers from the cultural background that they were discussing actually doing the writing, which is very important. Like, and um, I, I wish I remembered the specific episodes better to give specific examples. I don't right now, but I just remember the, the general thoughts I had at the time. Um, and I agree with you. There are plenty of ways they could have taken all of those things farther. And I have yeah. some, when I saw that they're like, oh, we're going to go back to Tennant and Donna for the specials. I was like, so we had like all this diversity and all this like inter multiculturalism, and now you're just like, let's go back to everyone's two favorite white people. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? You go Let's switch because we're in the show again. Back to the one everybody loved the most. Like, what are you doing? And I, I'm, I'm like, I'm guilty for loving that too. Like, which is, you know, I, I, I know that that's not. Hear me out. <laughs> I, I 
loved all of the things that you just mentioned, right? Like I do want to um, <clears throat> plus that. I think, again, I wish they went more in depth with yeah. those topics. I'm glad they touched them, but I think my issue with that was the lack of, you know, going in on it. And I don't know if that was Chris Chipnell. I think that was the writer. Um, yes, it's honestly, it's better than Moffat. I try. I so I started rewatching it, and Stephen Moffat is like it's just like so horny. It's like needlessly horny, and it's interesting because I can tell like Matt Smith is playing this character like he's Ace because the Doctor like is Ace, like you know. Um, <clears throat> but he's just like it's so horny, and the gaze is so horny for like, and it's mm -hmm. it it really it wasn't a way that I didn't notice in like 2011, but, <laughs> but watching it, there's nothing wrong with a horny story, but yeah. it feels a little out of place with this character who's, you know, um, <clears throat> it was just off to me. So I, I do, I do think that this being produced in the UK is a big part of what's happening culturally. And like, if you look at, at politics on turf island <laughs> it is so you can gross. see how like you know some of these things might have come to be so i mean we're circling back to once again the importance of knowing the cultural context of the media and how things came to be because my impression is that people wanted to go harder or deeper on some of the like justice topics and right. were really hamstrung by uh the the bell curve of what most people will find palatable um, it is or perceive the perception of what most people would find palatable so yeah they um i went through that process with like receiving or like giving feedback to the bbc um because they posted this like article i can't remember what it was about but it, I, I mean i can't remember the deep deep specifics because this is like almost two years ago i think but it was like uh, posting or talking about, um, I think it was about trans rights and trans women in bathrooms. And it was, the way it was written was disgusting. And so a bunch of people online were like, respond. And it went through like, I think a six part process and they still did not take it down. So I do understand the, wow. the context over there is atrocious. And yeah, <clears throat> so um, I will definitely I definitely think that should inform my opinion a little more. Yeah. Uh, Juliet and Maddie, who uh, are big Whovians, is that the name of the fandom? Who heads? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Whovians. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet and Maddie said, we did that too. It was fucked. So you're getting some. Right. So some you know that from the chat. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was like, it was making me pull my hair out. I was very upset. But um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for talking about one of my special interests with me for so long. You are welcome. I yes. also like I mean, that's Dr. kind of the point of the podcast. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Yes. I actually made a note that we need to tell our guests before the show that we're allowed to info dump. That's part of the point. So then they know because I keep forgetting oh, to tell them. Um, okay. Yes. Maybe they're like so doing yes. this while they wash dishes or something. That's what I do when I listen to a podcast. So. Yeah, it's it's like you know who doesn't want to want listen to a bunch of like queer trans people info about random stuff. <laughs> Anyways, su support us on Patreon, friends, if you want more queer info dumps. <laughs> <laughs>
There's the sales pitch. 30 <laughs> minutes of Doctor Who, one sentence about Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> ratio right <laughs> I, think so. I think so so funny okay um i'm gonna attempt to get us back on topic and then i'm gonna mute my microphone so you and Brenda can talk some more <laughs> I don't take over the podcast. okay my brain is just booting back up now so <laughs> loading loading it's, it's like you know when you walk away from your computer your and it like it like shuts off and then you come back yeah. to it just forever for like i'm just like <laughs> we have very cute loading loading emojis in the chat thank you alatita you're helping so hashtag helping so cute um okay so buff cat if you could tell us a bit about your experience with being by gender or two-spirit as a black indigenous artist just just a light topic oh just like follow up that little talk about dr who let's talk about yeah. your childhood drama um great so i've uh i mm, can you ask a question again so i can actually answer yes it? like i also posted it in the zoom chat if you'd like to read along um Tell us about your experience with being by gender or two spirit as a black indigenous artist. Um, so I, I live in Portland, um, and it's overall pretty positive. Um, I noticed that people don't really use my he him pronouns. Um, mm -hmm. I've been told repeatedly that I'm not very much giving he him. <laughs> um, so it's kind of just you know it's kind of navigating that again, like back with the binary aspect. Um, <clears throat> I'm not in a position where I can do anything really uh, financially, like with my uh, transition <laughs> in any way. And I, you can interrupt me if this is triggering or upsetting. Um, I'm still kind of navigating it myself. Um, yeah. But I, I have, days that are easier than others when it comes to um like being perceived um a lot of the time I don't <laughs> really show what I look like on my art page like no one really I'm, I'm doing it more now because I'm trying to um put myself out there more um and and make sure that people know that you can make art and express yourself and do things as well um and it's okay to put yourself out there. Uh, <clears throat> but um, I think um, as long as you, you, you find people who you can express yourself with, like it, it makes it a lot easier. Um, I have a lot of yeah. other indigenous and black artists who I work with um, and who also have like just completely helped guide and put me in, to, it, yeah bring me to the the place that I'm at now um you know shout out to my friend Maya um they're trans um there are so many people who've built me up um and given me opportunities and they are all uh overwhelmingly <clears throat> so uh black indigenous and and queer or trans so um I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without them um just to end that on a more positive. Did that answer the question? Yeah, no, you, you definitely did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah, because it's, 
you know, no one is just like one thing, right? So we're all an intersection of various different identities. And um, I think there's um, a lot, we could be doing a lot better promoting the stories of uh, folks who are, you know, Black, Indigenous, bi-gender, Two-Spirit. Uh, I mean, Two-Spirit is one that like, not a lot of folks know about. I mean, that's one. So like, whenever I use like the full acronym, like when I go, you know, 2S LGBTQIA+, I get questions yeah. from my sister friends, like, what is 2S? Uh, yeah. So I, I have to explain what it is. And even like, even myself as a queer person, like I first learned about that, like, you know, maybe five, six years ago. So um, I, I think that's, you know, having like platforms like this and other platforms where, you know, folks can learn more about that, that sort of thing. And this is sort of thing I was talking about earlier, where uh, a lot of our media kind of just focuses on this narrow sliver of the you know expression of humanity, and there's just so much more out there. Uh, yeah. But getting to the reasons for that, uh, what <laughs> does gender mean in a decolonialization context? Um, for me, I think that I think that the oppressor in this case, colonizers or colonial uh, influence is to tell people who they need to be and who they are. Um, and I think that the most anti-colonial act that you can do is unapologetically express yourself, um, whether that's through your sexuality or your gender or unapologetically existing in your body. And so um, <clears throat> when it comes to my art, like, you know, shamelessly making a giant butthole if I want, like because I want to, and <laughs> and not just because I want to, but because it is, um, I had a train of thought where this would have been great, but I guess what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that, you know, um, I think art is one of the best tools to combat colonial oppression. And I also think that just unapologetically embracing who you are uh, and that can change over time too. Like my gender expression has changed and who I am has changed and even how I make art has changed. Um, <clears throat> that is an anti-colonial act. So, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that for you. Uh, and yeah, yeah I, I, I do think it's, you're right. I mean, expressing ourselves, our true selves, whether, you know, it be through our gender identity or, or through our sexuality or just through making art that makes people uncomfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's an excellent way to fight back against uh, colonization because uh, part of colonialism is getting people to fit into these narrow buckets that's, you know, mm -hmm. that people in power would, would prefer us to be in. So well it's easier to exploit that way you know exactly. they don't want you to be yourself because it's not exploit you know you're not a viable victim babe you know so i think as exactly. soon as you stop being a viable victim like mm -hmm. obviously there's it can be challenging but it's worth it i love being me it's honestly great so that's yeah that's fantastic i mean that's really yeah. That's honestly that is the 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 best revenge against the 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 homophobes right. and the transphobes and the queerphobes is just living your best life and being happy. Yeah, like yeah. It's, and I also think like just like experiencing euphoria and being mm -hmm. yourself is like 
my favorite part <laughs> of that. Like, not only are you just not an exploitable tool um, under capitalism, but you're, you know, you get to like just thrive and really enjoy yourself. Like, oh, I feel like I glowed up like 12 times, you know, uh-huh. since I started. Being- I just get gayer and more trans every year, and I'm really love to see it. it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that's Uh, like if if you want to pull anything away from this podcast, get you can always get gayer. There's never oh yeah, yeah, percent yeah. I'll be like in my final form when I'm ninety. I think (laughs) I love it. Um, I have a I have a channel point redemption that I don't know if it's turned on right now. It is possibly turned off, but. I originally wanted to call it make it gayer. So then it's just like every time they redeem it, the stream gets that much more gay. Um, but Twitch Twitch did not like me putting the word gay in a channel point redemption title. So I had to rename it yeah. more rainbow. Mm. <laughs> but my original, some channel lore for folks, my original name for the more rainbow command was make it gayer. <laughs> Even you're putting an at symbol in the middle of gay. Um, so, like so what happens when people, when people do the more rainbow, AKA make it gayer command, um, I add a P an article of clothing to my person that it has rainbow on it. So it's just more and more rainbow, um, <laughs> as it goes. And I think people have forgotten about this channel point command cause it hasn't been run in a long time. And now I, I bet everyone's in there like, it's turned off. I can't do it. Like, you know, everyone's <laughs> listening to me talk about it and they want to spam it. Um, so every 20 minutes, there's a 20 minute timeout. So then you have to stick around and lurk on it and then you can do it again 20 minutes later. Um, but I actually, I recently, I had to downsize the quantity of plushies and gay things on my desk. So I had room for my books <laughs> because I'm disabled and I don't want to have to get up and walk to my bookshelf to read my books, which I would, was just not reading my books because I was like, well, I'm not getting up. So I guess I'm not going to read. <laughs> Look at my gay ribbons some more. Um, so I had to, I had to condense, um, but I do have a couple of my little gay things. My favorite, my favorite one, because it is the easiest sensory wise, not because it is the best of the items is this one. Um, it was knit for me. It was knit for me by a queer person. When I was in seminary, this was one of my graduation presents from my advisor who, um, my impression was that he, he was a and maybe still is a queer man who works in the church. And so, um, yeah, anyways, it's a, it was a lovely gift. He actually sat there and made them during the entire year long, um, like advisory thing with our little group of five or six people on our little mini group. And so at the end, I didn't know they were gifts for us. So at the end, he was just like, here you go. I was like, oh, it's really Aww. cute. Um, That's so like not everyone who graduated got one of these. It was just our little affinity group that, um, this was a gift that the advisor made for each of us over the length of that. It's kind of like all of our stories and our processing and learning was woven into the, into the um, string itself. Um, so it's really meaningful to me to have this little thing that I get to wear. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hope you make yeah. the make gayer button possible. Not to be, you just explained it yes. to me. I think it's just I hard did. for me to not visualize it. I'm no, like, it's okay. But I'll I did like, I was laughing a lot because I was like, how I would love to see you just like piling on more and more and more. Stuff, it's like. very silly um i have i have like a, a glittery sparkly mask thing i'll go dig it out um and various pride flags that when i'm wearing my diff- a different set of headphones um i can kind of tuck them into the the over ear headphones i'm wearing my little 
in-ear headphones today, so I don't have anywhere to tuck them. Um, I do have an entire bin of rainbow things. It's one of these bins. The other one is a gym pile of random crap. Let's see which one I pull out. Um, here we go. I have my sparkly mask yeah. situation. Gorgeous. Which is very Are you sparkly. Wear this for the rest of the time, I hope you do. Um, I I can't wear my glasses with that at the same time. Um, I have this one, which was gifted to me by a friend who watches streams sometimes, which is also nice. Um, but it pinches my head, and I start to get a headache if I wear it for too long. Um, is and it then like, I have there, or is it? Are they bear ears? Yeah, they're kind of little bear ears. They're little rainbows. They're they're, they're just rainbows, but mm. in my mind, they're bear ears. <laughs> I was um, thinking mouse ears, but bear ears, I think, work better. <laughs> I was going to say. And there's That's this, so like, cool. long ribbony thing that I can play with the young cats with. They're sleeping right now. I don't, know, don't want to get them revved up, but that is another object. And then I have my <laughs> super cool pass from Nintendo Live, um, which has a rainbow lanyard. So I feel like put that one on. That one's easier to wear. I, I can wear that one. Um, some of the other ones, like I said, they give me headaches and stuff, so I have to figure out. Anyway, uh -huh. and then I have my my rainbow suspenders, which are great. Oh, very. And if I don't clip them to anything, I I'm also willing to wear those for the rest of the episode. But but so so I I actually I used to let people choose the order that I would put them on, um, but now I decide I get to choose the order I put them on, and it's basically in order of most sensory tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes sense. <laughs> like if it's harder to tolerate sensory wise, it's going towards the end of the list. Um, I also have a rainbow tie that I love and part of the back is falling apart Ooh. and I, maybe it did get stitched. I don't remember. Um, and I have a bow tie that is on a elastic that I put around my neck that is also a little bit too tight. So I don't like to wear it for too long, but it is very cute. And I actually wore this bow tie to my wedding, which was nice. Oh, um, I have that's a rhinestone that fell off of something. I have a Pride Progress pin. This is not my, this is not the flag that I designed because it's missing the, it's not Pride Progress 2.0 and it doesn't have the Gilbert Baker inclusion, which I call my ancestors and descendants um, pride. <laughs> um, that is available as a sticker on my Ko-Fi shop, but this little fella is, you know, mm. it's something. It's a little something. So my rainbow things they're around um i just can't wear them all at the same time because my body says um no but yes these sure. are my little treasures thanks for coming to my show and tell um <laughs> something something that i was thinking about when you were talking is how sometimes folks will like there's different kinds of pride so there's like being proud of your gender and sexuality, but then there's also being proud of your ethnic or racial heritage. And so I think mm. about like when folks will reclaim um, like traditional garb or traditional patterns or like traditional styles of clothing making or traditional dances, um, mm. things that they had before they were uh, colonized and sent to um, those horrible uh, makey white schools. Um, I'm not remembering the words, sorry. Um, I've, I've listened to hours and hours and hours of, yes, I've listened to many podcasts about residential schools. And I, I yeah, the word just fell out of my brain. Yeah, that's, um, uh, that's a whole thing in Canada. <laughs> it is. It is here too. And Americans yeah. aren't talking about it. 
Americans aren't talking I, about it, how we did the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad your family does. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I, I will, it's, I will, let me rephrase white Americans aren't talking about it and the yes. overculture of the United States doesn't acknowledge it very well or strongly in schools, public schools. Mm. And it should be talked about. Um, that's actually what I meant. Should Thanks we talk about it? To we talk about it. I just don't, I didn't know if that was the vibe, but I'm happy to talk oh. about it. Well, I'm, talk about I'm here for it. <laughs> but, I'm here for it. If you, you go ahead, you, you tell us, we'll listen. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think about this all the time, actually. <laughs> um, and I think about like reclamation as an aspect of the fact that I tell stories and that I use art as a vessel to tell stories. Um, especially because a lot of my ancestors didn't have that. It shouldn't have been a luxury, but you know, um, so just for background, um, before, um, oh God, I don't even know where to start. Let me just like organize in my brain where I need to start. Yeah. Very quick. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so just for some context, um, so my family was from Mississippi um, and they were the, so basically because of what was going on with colonization and the tribes were being kind of like, displaced and pushed around. Um, we know about this. Uh, so I am Choctaw and Cree. Um, so, uh, or Blackfoot, but I, I'm pretty sure they're under the Algonquin or Cree umbrella. Um, <clears throat> they uh, were desperately trying to maintain their land rights. Um, and under the context of colonialism, um, the way that they could do that and maintain like tribal sovereignty was through slavery. So they bought my ancestors, my black ancestors, and then owned them. Uh, but on paper, it sounds like from my family's stories about this, um, my great grandmother's mother was uh, Choctaw and like they were all just a part of the tribe basically. Um, and so it wasn't really an owner situation. Um, but then when uh, slavery ended and reconstruction occurred, um, my family lost their land rights. And um, I love your cat so much. So cute. Thank you. This is Cleopatra, <laughs> my youngest Hi, and feistiest. You beautiful baby. Thank you. That helps soften what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, Cats always she know, saw the yeah. rainbow ribbon and wanted to wanted to play. <laughs> now she's hunting um, the beef jerky on my desk. Oh, good. She's smart. Um, but basically, like with Reconstruction, what happened is that they lost their land rights. They were pushed off the land, and a lot of them were murdered. <laughs> and then my black family, like people who were considered black according to Mississippi, were forced to share crop. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, my great grandmother was dealing with that. The white man who owned her land was basically like, you know, saying that she needed to come live with him for reasons that are not PG 13. And so I will not talk about them. Um, but long story short, she like packed up all eight of her kids, including my grandmother, um, and like moved them to Maine. So they settled in Portland, Maine, um, I think it was the 1930s. Um, 
And so that was the East End. And that is what brought that part of my family here. Um, they were basically fleeing <laughs> because Jim Crow was getting real. It was really bad. Yeah. Um, and so a huge aspect, though, of my family's culture and history is storytelling and art. Mm. Um, all of my cousins are artists. Um, you know, uh, one of my cousins is like a great mural artist here. Um, his name is Ryan. Um, he makes really cool geometric patterns. They're really interesting. Um, and his grandmother is my great grandmother's sister. Um, but long story short <laughs> is that my art, I think, is something that I inherently had been doing in my childhood. And I was really excited yeah. to hear that art and craft making and um, <clears throat> basically being a maker is something that my family's been doing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, mm. And I'm happy to be doing my own iteration of that um, now. So I wanted to share that just as a as some context for my work. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to that. Oh, that was very I love, I love but... <laughs> that. I, it sounds it sounds like um, engaging with like the art of creation is part of engaging with your ancestors and your lineage mm. and um, perhaps uh, would you say that um, creating art the, it's not that the sole purpose is this, but one of the many purposes might be like processing and working through ancestral trauma and to press closer towards liberation. Absolutely. Like a hundred percent. You just put that into words in a way that I don't think I could have. <laughs> so thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I definitely think that, um, you know, people say that like my Roman empire is this, like my Roman empire is the industrial revolution. And the fact that I could just be like thriving and living on the river right now, and I'm not, <laughs> you know? So I think um, a huge part of processing that, like probably I mean, deeply epigenetic trauma and also like recent lived experiences trauma because I was very recent, like I knew my great grandmother. She was mm. my, I mean, I, I felt like she was my friend. She was a part of my soul. And, oh, um, yeah. you know, I think there's like a lot of mourning that goes on for me. And I kind of do, I, I like to make and tell stories because she could not do that. You know, mm. she was like strongly in survival mode, it felt like. Sorry, it's hard not to get emotional <laughs> thinking oh, about okay. it. Um, just you, because you are welcome, you're are welcome, welcome to have your feelings. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and if you and if you feel like it's deeper than you want to go, that's also okay. And I'm totally I'm comfortable with the subject matter of our conversation, and I'm here for whatever mm -hmm. you want to share about this topic. Yeah, I just like thank you for saying that. Um, I just think uh, I think a lot of what I do is trying to um, I can't remember exactly what. Um, I had a cousin be like, well, we don't have the land, but the land is in us. It's in our bodies. And that's why we create um, and why we are able to be so creative and why we're fruitful and abundant because we're like the embodiment of the land. And so even though I'm not on it <laughs> and I, you know, can't be where I feel I probably should be, 
it, it's inside of me and I carry that. So um, I think my work is my way of like manifesting what that means to me or putting that into physical reality. Um, <laughs> and I'm saying that as if I don't make like buttholes, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> buttholes are indigenous. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, they are, they are, (laughs) well, but the thing is, like, if I, if I look at your Instagram, which is the closest thing to a gallery of yours that I have access to right now, um, my website is down right now, I'm very sorry, it's okay, Um, it's, you know, websites cost money, and also Um, executive function to maintain, um, like, like, there's this really beautiful image. Um, is it even? It almost looks like a tarot card. It says procession and buff cat, and then there's two people mm. in the woods with some flowers. Um, can you tell us a little more about that piece of art? Does that have to do with ancestors and the land and those those pieces? It does. Um, so I illustrated a poetry book um, for someone here, um, and it's called Poems, etc. But um, I have that piece and I made that piece because it was kind of like about mourning home and like mourning things that, you know, you carry. (laughs) So it's kind of like the piece is supposed to represent like a death procession through the woods Um, and birch trees, I think are representative of that. And they're also carrying um, forget-me-nots. So it's kind of like, uh, me and also um, a person in my family and we're kind of going on a procession together um, that was what that is supposed to represent <laughs> so okay. I do I do weave those pieces into my work um, Ooh, this is the most in-depth I've gotten normally when people are like what do you make and I'm like it's pee pee poo poo art ha 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 like <laughs> So <laughs> you're getting a treat. <laughs> it's uh, like, so I'm I'm laughing a lot because in my bios all over the internet, I ha- I always put a line that says I can't say pee pee poo poo without giggling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love being like haha stinky. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, safari humor is elite. Yes, yes. <laughs> top shelf. Only yes. Yeah, top Only top the shelf. highest of brows. It's like, let me just <laughs> mm, it's like, oh they stick my pinky out while I make my butthole jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I mean I do I I <laughs> I think the way that I talk about my work is typically not super in-depth. Um, but I'm happy that this has been a space where I can say a little more honestly <laughs> what kind of goes into it so thank you yeah. um, i i think about how it can be it can be really scary to yeah. be authentic and earnest because if someone critiques me when i'm being silly it's like oh i was just kidding it's really it's like it's like a layer of defense right it's like oh i can just shrug that mm-hmm. off it was that wasn't serious whatever it's that thing joke, is i just bro. said yeah it's a joke don't take it so serious but when i when i make an earnest offering that's like my soul 
And then if that gets criticized, then that cuts me deeper than, you know, mm -hmm. oh, you're you're criticizing my silly kitty cat logo. Like, okay, it's just a cat. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> you know, like, but if they, right. But if they were to like say something really horrible on my like trans check-in, it's like, oh, I'm like sharing my deep personal thoughts about my physical body and my journey. Um, yeah. And now people are trolling that like that. I'm not, this is not an invitation to the trolls. I do have other people that mod my YouTube for me, so I won't actually see them. You're just wasting your time. Um, but like, but I can see how like, um, perhaps you may even need to establish some rapport or trust or, um, understand if it's okay to be earnest before being able to talk more deeply about your art, because, you know, um, it's, it cuts deeper when people criticize real, real art, quote unquote, real, instead of like silly yeah. things. Instead of my, um, like cats with big butt cheeks and stuff like you know i which i do draw <laughs> but yeah i, I love I the also, cats with the big I butt also, cheeks you know like to process my childhood trauma and make a book mm -hmm. about it which i am doing yeah. um you know and that's the thing too is that i i think that that's such a that's an interesting topic i'd love to talk more about that is like the deep vulnerability of um <clears throat> basically i've been making like artist journals about kind of like what I'm processing um and for context I have complex PTSD just from like existing mostly under this living in this world kind of I feel like does I, I don't know how anyone doesn't develop PTSD nowadays to be completely honest um shocked that not everyone has it but um <laughs> so I but I'm processing through things like in my childhood, like abuse I experienced from my family or, you know, um, <clears throat> racism or like realizing that I was queer and like um, writing about that has been, wow, okay. This is my cat, Princess Mimiu. Daddy hides when he thinks he's Princess Mimiu. So cute. <laughs> She's kind of tiny. <laughs> But, um, her. and her foot is stuck. Boo-boo, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I, I think I have been really pushing myself last year and this year to kind of just say, okay, if people don't like what I'm saying here, that's fine. Um, and once I started doing that, if you're going to burn yourself on a candle, I need you to please just, can you please go sit? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Put it your rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> um they're they're like my children <laughs> so it's kind of um they can be a lot anyway um <clears throat> you know i what where was my train of thought what was i even saying <laughs> so sorry we were talking about vulnerable art versus silly art okay um and just like i realized once i did start posting um you know, little bits and pieces from letters from Little Brook that like so many people connected to what I was writing in a way that mm. like I didn't expect or anticipate in any way. And mm. it's been really yeah. healing actually. So mm. I'm trying really hard to be more vulnerable um, with my descriptions of my work, even if it's hard, even if I'm like, you know, I think that cringe or being cringe is like, someone bullied you once and then you internalized it basically yeah. you know like even when we were talking mm -hmm. about fan fiction I think maybe before 
the show started and I was just like, oh no, we talked about it on the show. Yes, and I we was did. talking about like, yeah. I was a little fan fiction writer. I wrote all kinds of fan fiction um, and I cringe about it. But recently I'm like, I want to find that again and see where I was at at that time in my mm -hmm. life. Like, is it appalling or is it kind of like, fierce? like, do we love it? Do we love it? You know, so I think I'm allow I'm trying to creatively allow myself space to be to be cringe, like be cringe. Who cares? Yeah. You know, I'm free. So um Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And there's uh there's a certain strength in being vulnerable. I mean, it's really easy to be like, oh whatever, I don't care. <laughs> but like um, but like true vulnerability, that takes real courage. That's 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 a that's a sign of strength. Um, and it really endears people to you. I mean, a lot of the people that like I've become friends with or, you know, follow on various platforms, I follow them because of their sincerity or their vulnerability or both. Um, because that's, that's, that's when you know someone's being real. It's, they're not like putting on like an act, like you're not, you're not watching some character. Like, it's like, no, no, no. Like if they're, if they're talking about, you know, hashtag real talk, um, you know, they're yeah. being real. So. And that's like, you know, and, and to be clear, haha, poopy stinky is a part of my real self. It really is. Like, yeah. I, oh, I yeah. Really, Same. 100%. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I also make haha, poopy stinky content. So, like, <laughs> yeah. it's not a little haha, poopy stinky content. Yeah. Because it's yeah. funny. <laughs> like, I'm it sorry. Is, like, yeah. I'm an old I'm woman, but I still laugh at poopy jokes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. I, I, I do, but I, but I also think that like, it has been recent for me to allow myself to not just be like a shit poster, you know, um, it's been nice. It's been really nice. Yeah. Not just to be a shit poster. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, so it, it's, it's nice to be able to talk authentically about my work. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I have a very brief story. Um, I, this last week, I was doing a mutual aid stream for uh, Violet Mutual Aid, which by the way, chat, it went really well. We raised over $2,000 in 12 hours. It was amazing. It's a lot of hard work leading up to it. And Rosa did an eight hour stream and I only did like a three or four hour stream, but our efforts combined um, led to a positive outcome um, for a a trans woman fleeing a domestic violence situation. Um, and there was the the full first hour of my stream, everything was scuffed. I couldn't get my game to work. I spent all these hours planning all these incentives and milestones and gimmicks and stuff. And I was just honest with Chad. I said, y'all, I don't know what we're gonna do for our content today because I can't get this thing to work. This I'm, I'm fumbling mm. it at the last little part right at the end. Mm. Um, and so I was just honest that I was a little flustered and didn't quite know what to do. Um, and the beauty is, I think, I think it's a combination of, I have a habit of just being earnest and upfront with the community about how I'm doing. And we are mm. disability forward and neurospicy forward. Um, and like care about mutual aid for mutual aid's sake, not because we get cool presents for doing it. <laughs> the presents are yeah. fun, but it's like, that's the bonus. <laughs> that's not the the core of it. And like the community donated hundreds of dollars while I was fumbling getting a program to not work 
And I was like not saying words out of my face sometimes for more than a minute at a time, which like feel very insecure as a streamer doing that. Um, and yeah, like the community just totally held me. And so there is, there is an audience for earnestness. I think it takes courage to do that because especially if you have any marginalized identities, like we are told systemically to not be marginalized identities. There's a reason it's called marginalized. We're pushed to the margins. And so, mm -hmm. um, so earnestly claiming and owning those identities, um, is vulnerable just to exist. Right. And like the, the people with identities that are, that are like preferred by colonialism, um, they don't have to, um, be courageous quote unquote just to exist and have opinions and express themselves like they can get on a podcast and talk about whatever they want to talk about and they don't have to worry about are your identities going to be ripped to shreds in the comments just because you exist visually and verbally and really auditorily as a person to be honest i feel like they i get agree too comfortable. why do I they agree. have my opinion? yes sometimes not to be a hater they agree they agree <laughs> And so, like, I, I 100% understand um, the, like, inclination to want to um, couch or soften things in humor because it is, it is safer. Um, <laughs> and this isn't a, this isn't a criticism or a critique at all. Um, and I, I guess what I'm trying to convey is um, there is community and audience for authentic expression mm -hmm. um and but and authentic can include silly right because our joy is us saying yeah. to the overculture i will not only be work i will not only be a tool of productivity like i'm gonna make goofy stuff that like just serves serves capitalism zero percent like <laughs> because it makes <laughs> no, me no happy. one will buy like, this and that's fine like, that is like, also being goofy and silly, that's not an act. Like, I mean, I'll be no. sitting by myself in my apartment and making poopy jokes. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a yes. And it's a yes. yes and like, yes, there's, so. there is also room for the earnest expression. And I think, um, you know, there've been days that mm -hmm. I've had a really hard time and I, in, on those days, I'm, I'm not looking for a serious drama. I'm looking for something humorous. I'm like, what comedy can we watch? Mm -hmm. And so I think there is something beautiful about comedies that also tell truth and tell mm -hmm. earnest, honest things and through the lens of comedy, because it's very easy, I feel, to make a drama and make it just really intense emotionally. It's a lot harder to do a comedy well in a way that is anti-oppressive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's and my so, favorite kind of storytelling, actually. Same. Is with humor. Yeah. It is, it's an art, it's a gift, you know, it's very good. And humor can be like, I don't know. I hate when it's punching down, obviously. But oh, like, yeah. You know, I could make the joke that every time I touch jeans, they cuff themselves, you know, or like I could talk about <laughs> all kinds of things, like my 15 different jean jackets or corduroy jackets that look the same or how I sit funny in a chair, you know? Yeah. I think that's fine. Um, yeah. And saying that because I'm bisexual, you know, those stereotypes. Mm -hmm. um <clears throat> that i do abide by so um so we have yeah. a question from chat for you um can you tell us a bit about your poetry oh <laughs> um i 
mostly wrote poetry when I was younger and I never showed anyone ever just playing back into the vulnerability um, mm. <clears throat> piece. Um, but when I started publishing my poetry um, and I had uh, two that were published recently um, with a whole group of BIPOC folks who I do writers retreats with here in Maine. Um, at a place at an artist residency called Hewan Oaks. Um, highly recommend it for any artists listening. Um, they do take submissions from everyone all over and it's lovely there. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, my friend who wrote the children's book that I've been, uh, that I've illustrated that is coming out soon, I'm very excited about that, um, is a poet uh, there, the Poet Laureate of Portland. Um, Maya Williams, and they were like, you should for sure publish your poems. So I wrote two uh, poems recently that were published. Um, and one was about my grandmother, uh, because um, <clears throat> she has dementia. And I was kind of processing like, the way that you think that someone is a constant in your life. And you know, I related her to being like a tree to me. Like you don't pass a tree and think that's gonna not be there someday. Like it feels eternal. Um, <clears throat> so that's what that poem was about. And then another poem was kind of um, about, you know, like sapphic love, <laughs> just uh -huh. being, being gay. Just yeah. being so, gay. <laughs> just being gay. Just. <laughs> being a little gay so <laughs> um so yeah I I I hope that answered your question you can check them out on my Instagram um but I also illustrate a lot for poets um I really love mm. illustrating for poems it's my favorite thing to do they're very abstract mm. I love that um can you tell us a bit of the story behind the name buff cat yeah. Um, so a few years ago, I, my grandmother's cat, Alfredo, was like the super cross-eyed, like muscly, like stocky cat. And <laughs> I saw him and I was like, I'm going to draw him how I picture him. And I drew this like... <laughs> Who did that? That's beautiful. Did you make that? I don't know. Juice sent me this in the mail. And it's my favorite sticker that Juice has ever sent me. And it's <laughs> on my cup that I drink out of every day. It's it's a muscly calico in board shorts for those who can't see That's and incredible. are listening along at home. I love it. I love them. And my, oh my, my head canon is that this is a trans masculine cat in my mind. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, similar vibes, like a big buff boy. And I drew this like thick buff cat like laying like this in a bed of flowers and oh. then I was like this is going to be my whole brand identity going forward and I love this <laughs> so I I did that um but I it was kind of like a I was playing with gender even with that silly little drawing I felt so that yeah. was a part of it um someone said does that mean like oh maybe this isn't pg-13 but like they thought it's it was for like educational purposes, YouTube. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's for educational <laughs> like, purposes. 
I mean, yeah, I'm definitely only talking about a cat when I say buff pussy. Someone asked me if it meant buff pussy, like strong Mm -hmm. cat. So I wasn't that clever. I wasn't that interesting. It was genuinely wholesomely intended. But, um, you know, sure. Yeah, that's what it meant. (laughs) The the internet just slaps the horny lens on everything. Yeah, (laughs) everything. Can I share something that's like maybe a little embarrassing for me? Um, I was looking at your Instagram and uh, I was, I was, I was looking at some of like, you know, the branding and uh, my brain read buff cat as butt cat. (laughs) That's funny. There are buttholes. There's a lot of buttholes. So I'm not surprised. Highest compliment. (laughs) Yes. That's so funny. Um, Maybe I need a rebrand. Yes. It'll be like it's it'll so be funny. like your secondary channel, uh, like <laughs> for oh my god yeah. for butthole for butthole your, butthole art your, only. I actually that's your, have been like your spicy your spicy content IG handle. But that's yeah. what I was thinking of. I because I was thinking of making more spicy content for for the gays, the girls, the bays, and the thems. You know, so uh, that, maybe that, that's, that's a free idea. idea. You go ahead and take that. <laughs> Okay, I'll cite you. I will, Miranda. I'll be like, thank you for butt cat. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was not me. Um, you know, I don't plagiarize. <laughs> so. Unlike unlike white people, you don't steal. <laughs> yeah, unlike certain specific white people who will not be named, I don't yes. hate. Oh um, boy. Yeah, we had a whole plagiarism <laughs> conversation in the in the green room. So <laughs> <laughs> which we I will not get into like, on the show i was on fire but <laughs> yes yeah. if you know you know if you yes. know, you know um <laughs> so buff cat are there anything that is there anything that we didn't talk about regarding square t- queer storytelling square quarry telling <laughs> that um, you want to make sure that you say i would like to say um sorry I'm trying to put my words in order (laughs) I don't have like a filing system in my head I had a friend who said they don't have like thoughts or sounds in their brains like they just say things and do things and I didn't know that was possible I know it's called being that's called being neurotypical because like I'm the opposite like I have the unironic (laughs) like uh like Sherlock brain palace like the mind palace (laughs) I (laughs) organized i'm so sad that mine is like yes. a loud restaurant with like five songs playing and like yes someone's screaming in the corner and like someone talking yes. about their memories it's a nightmare in there so adhd <laughs> it's very cool it's very yeah cozy. like i have like the count dracula mansion in my head <laughs> <laughs> so you're like yeah i'm just like you know? <laughs> have you rewatched i rewatched that like recently and i was just so Things that were not baffling to me at the time, I like took it at face value. Uh, the sound effects, that that part where it's like it looks like an edit that someone would make as a joke. I can't believe Sherlock. Is a dream. <laughs> I haven't it, watched it since it came out, so it was, I I only rewatched it because someone was like, "No, no, it was actually good." Because I rewatched it after I saw the last season and was like, "That was the worst." <laughs> I never watched. Yeah. In my life. Oh boy, they sure made some creative choices. That was 
so much. Oh my God. We probably don't have time to even talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so we are just getting ready to wrap up with our wonderful <laughs> guest today, Bobcat, she, he pronouns. Uh, so we, <laughs> we were running a little late, so it's been a wonderful conversation, but you know, it's, that's how it is. It's, it's a live show. We're doing it live. <laughs> but this next question that I have for you is actually my favorite one. Uh, just because uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, I really think that uh, it's more important than ever to share our trans and queer joy. Uh, mm. Can you share an experience with us that you've had with gender euphoria? Oh, um, I think I really want to honor my younger, like, baby queer self a lot um, and talk about the first time I felt like I kind of passed or like was perceived in a gender way that felt gender to me. Um, yeah. I think I was like 19 and uh, I had some older queer friends who were like, do you want to come to this gay bar? And I was not obviously of age to be there, but they saw me approach and I borrowed some of my uh, friends clothing to go um, and, and be a boy for the night I wanted to try. Um, <clears throat> and they saw me and they were like, oh, you can go in. Like, they looked at me like, we know you're underage, just like, don't drink. <laughs> and yeah. I had this fantastic night at the gay bar with other queer people. And it was, it was probably one of the most, the first times I felt like really affirmed in any way in my gender. Um, at the time my hair was like much shorter. So I was kind of <laughs> you know it just felt good um and you know it was my first time like delving into that mm -hmm. so I think that was a, a good memory of gender euphoria that I carry I love that yeah thank you Stig what? for Portland it's not open anymore but <laughs> no Buffcat what would you like to make sure that folks know about your perspective on gender, non-binary, trans, two-spirit, gender diverse issues? Um, I think that it is a lifelong learning process to find out who you are um, and that you can, you can be who you want to be at the pace you want to be that person. So like I have friends who are like, oh, I'm trans and like immediately decided to do all of the things. Um, and then I have friends who are still learning and I'm still learning things about myself and how I wanna present my body and what that means to me. Um, and I think um, <clears throat> it's whatever you want it to be, you know? Like, I think that's the coolest thing about being queer or trans is like, I don't know, go girl, like do whatever you want. <laughs> It's so fun being us. Like, just enjoy it, you know? Um, and, like, love being you. It, even if it, things around you make it really hard. Um, mm -hmm. And also, if I could say anything to my younger self about it, it would be, um, it's actually great. <laughs> you know? Outside of the, the exterior stuff, like, mm. it is so slay being, being us. So you should just, like, be us. Um, <clears throat> yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Lots of so, Um Yes, <laughs> that's true. Pee -pee -pee -pee. For for more pee pee poo poo, and also <laughs> maybe poems and books and 
um, illustrations and uh, messages to uh, his younger self, please check out um, Buff Cat's Linktree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash art by Buff Cat. You can also find um, Buff Cat on Instagram at art by but- Buff Cat. <laughs> That's coming soon. Art by Buff Cat. See? Buff Cat. It's catchy. And Buff Cat forever. They got got him. Got him. Um, to, so, be, to be announced. Buff Cat. So, um, Buff Cat, can you please share this week's Clatter query that our audience can answer on our social media platforms? I really should wear my glasses. Um god i'm so sorry it's okay i've been kind of like squinting at the chat this whole time um please don't that's fair okay <laughs> don't um, don't perceive uh yeah so i guess the question i have for you guys is how does art help you be yourself and see yourself um and i'd love to see that so that's a wonderful question so friends, um, next week's next week's wonderful guest is going to be Turaj San- John J- Johnson Garay. Excuse me, he they pronouns, and we are discussing mental health therapy and self expression. For community updates, Violet Mutual Aid was a rousing success with over two thousand one hundred dollars raised during the streams, and we've actually had a couple more donations roll in. Um, if anyone would still like to donate to that, please do. Um, Rosa Ilva is the one managing the link for that um, and, you know, money for like bed or bedding or, you know, basic furniture after you move into a new place. Like we got, we got enough money to basically get an empty, empty room to sleep in, but now we need to put things in the room to make it more habitable. So, um, so any further donations are still being accepted. Um, I will make sure that we put the link for that in the description because I don't have it memorized and I don't want to say it wrong and then have it not work for folks. Um, but it will be a Pally GG link. Um, Jennifer would like to thank all of our supporters who support us on Patreon. Miranda Katita, Holly Blash, Winter Vespers, Loch Ness Gamer, Justin Baker Rojas, Yaisio, Ray of Swords, Mirami, The Hessian, and Trans Capybara. Now it's time for our outro. Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash Jennermeowster. Show notes will appear in the edited versions of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you have a question you'd like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, the Clouder wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics. And we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform, or engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at gendermeowster. You can take a few minutes to rate the show. We will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. 
mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power? This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Here's our artist credit. Jenniferful is hosted by Miranda Katita and Jenner Meowster. Jenniferful's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Jenniferful's live stream is produced by Mirami. Jenniferful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Free Range Megs. Jenniferful's promos and thumbnail graphic are designed by Trans Griffin. Jenniferful's social media is managed by Keynesy. Jenniferful's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, also known as Soma. The current Gender Master logo was designed by Siptopia. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gender Meowster. All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human rights. rights. That's right. right.